Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. Mindfulness. It's a hot buzzword right now in society, but it's been around for 25, 2600 years, if not longer. You know, mindfulness is a meditative practice. It's present moment living. It's being watchful of your thoughts and your emotions to develop a freedom within you. And then using meditation as a way to enhance it. Welcome to episode number 40. Six. Today I'm talking to Bill Scammon. He's a veteran of mindfulness and meditation. For over 40 years, he's been teaching people about these ancient practices. We're going to take a deep dive on the importance of meditation, how to get started with it, living with mindfulness. And we'll have great in-depth conversation about Gautama the Buddha. And we might even talk a little Star Wars. Because <laughs> you know, if you didn't hear, the Jedi are real. <laughs> All that said, let's move on to our conversation. So Bill, how important would you say meditation is to every human being walking the earth one of the most important things yeah um because the whole thing is about you yeah it's a good point everything all of it is about you right reality is about you right it's not about all the things that you've kind of bought into all your life growing up with uh, school and things like that. It is really about you. It's you separating the fact from fiction. Right. So, and I, it's not my line, but it's a great line. Don't believe everything you think. Mm. So, meditation allows you to separate that constant talking mm -hmm. to. Get to know the real you, your soul, your being. Yeah. And that will take you on many journeys. Yeah. And to a beginner, and we were just talking about this off air, it's difficult. I remember when I started 10, 11 years ago, getting the 20 minutes was, was an ordeal. See, and that's where one minute twice a day. Because mm -hmm. in most cases, when you're first starting out, your mind's drifting after the count of maybe nine. Mm. And meditation is to kind of not, it's not about controlling. It's about realizing. Mm -hmm. It's a big word. It's the realization that am I the listener or am I the talker? Right. So once you stop talking and start listening and i'm not saying to someone else to your to your your soul mm. then the calmness and you can go longer 5 minutes 
there isn't it isn't a race it isn't you'll find yourself wanting to go for an hour right but i find myself wanting to go the whole day correct (laughs) (laughs) so my view about it is is that start slow increments but do it right you know and to say to someone who's just starting out do it for a minute in the morning do it for a minute at night not so much when you're going to go to sleep but that will at least you will do it right and it's like playing an instrument yeah you got to practice you got to practice that's absolutely correct it's called a practice it's a meditation practice just like there's a yoga practice right you know i've experienced some things during meditation and i think a good point to put out there to folks who aren't accustomed to this is we all have a great potential that we're just most people just aren't tapping into they're too focused on the external instead of the internal and once you start having some experiences maybe seeing some lights you know things of that nature then it's kind of like what television was for you when you were two or three. Ooh, I want to watch more TV. I want to watch more cartoons. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> traveling. Traveling to places that are, you know, I mean, people call astro traveling. You'd be surprised how powerful you really are. Yeah. That's a nice segue there, Bill. Let's, let's, let's talk about a little soul traveling. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm familiar. I, I studied a gentleman by the name of Paul Twitchell many years ago. You know, what, what's your experiences with the soul travel, astral projection arena? Well, I've, again, through meditation, I mean, how can I put where I've gone, what I've done, but I, uh, I've had many out-of-body experiences, mm. and it's... It's totally enlightening, but I let it take me. I don't try to analyze it. I don't try to make it into, I just, I go. And then when I come back, experiencing many spiritual things. Has it all been during meditation? Most of it has been during meditation. I mean, I've had times where I've, you're falling asleep and you're kind of going, and you leave your body and you kind of float around. Mm. But uh, the room? Yeah. Right. And you see yourself. And you see yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's been my experience. And have you been have you been able to leave the room? Yes. And and do some uh, some traveling around some, the house and <laughs> traveling to places other places to things that I want to see knowing that I'm not in my body. Right. And knowing that I'm seeing what I'm seeing, and then come it, back. And what do you see? Like, what if you look at your hand? Oh, you, I, I see my hand. I do see my hand. I see my myself as a spirit. Almost, uh, my my fiance asked me, "Are you sure you're not dead? You're looking at your body as you're." you're I said, "Well, it's kind of that way, but it's not." You know, I am a, ex- exactly a spirit, and that's where uh, where I travel, wherever I want to go, 
you know i've traveled into where i've i've actually watched myself meditate mm. and and been in that space of you know yeah. o- overseeing myself yeah and once this happens the fear of death is just it's gone there is no fear of death <laughs> i have that's that's i have no fear of death not that being brave or anything but i truly in my heart believe that you don't really die this physical body dies but you don't die so it's not we are not the body we are not the body nor are we the mind absolutely we're definitely not the mind (laughs) so recently uh the great kobe bryant just died in a horrible helicopter crash this there more than likely was a moment where everyone on that helicopter knew it was they're going to die even if it was just 10 seconds how important would meditation come into a situation like that it depends upon the realization i guess if you were in a plane crash i think that in their situation it was they were in the fog and then they it happened so quickly. I don't think you get a chance to. I think that probably spirit looked up, once they've left their body, looked down upon it as what just happened. Right. But shock. Um, shock. But meditation and that meditation would have helped them prepare. Right. But I don't think meditation in that situation would have played any part. It just happens so quickly. Yeah. Even if you have 10 or 15 seconds, do you think? Well, I think that your adrenaline, I don't think, I haven't been in that situation. So, but I would assume, which is a dangerous word. It is. um, That the adrenaline kicks in and the brain's moving at a hundred. It does. It's not calming down. Right. It's actually speeding up, trying to, you know, the, the flight situation of what do I do now? Right. Uh, more than let's get into a peaceful, peaceful state. state. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Fight or flight is it's it's like a possession. Your adrenal glands just turn on. Right. And it's boom, 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 boom. So your boom. brain processing um, survival mode at that point would be the what I would think that they would be automatically going into versus just remain calm. Though, when I had my second child, um, my wife was having a, uh, she was like right in the hallway, mm-hmm. having birth. She had to use the restroom and uh, everybody was freaking out. And I went into immediate, okay, everybody calm down. Everybody, you know, nurses, everybody just let's calm down. Yeah. Because, it, part of me was that energy that you're putting off into the baby, into the room, into the... It's just that energy. Uh, actually, any time I walk into a room, I can I feel that whether or not the energy is there. Mm. So having that adrenaline of everyone else around the room, I was more calm. But uh, I think in a, in a situation where you're going to be going... Facing death, yeah, be a little differently. But certainly, when we're old, gray, and if we're blessed enough to just die in a bed 
in our 80s or 90s, that's different, right? Way different. I think, now, medita- I think meditation at that point is where you're yeah. truly at. Yeah. That's that, when you can meditate into death. And that's sort of the goal, isn't it? Absolutely. That's a uh, being able to, on your terms. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, you can accept. There's a guarantee. Things are going to change. And you're going to die. And you're probably going to get sick. So if you stop fighting the. I mean, not, and I'm not saying give up, but if you stop fighting that and just. Surrender. Surrender is one of those terms that's. It's across the board, every religion, every spiritual tradition, but people don't necessarily understand it because it's always been socially engineered to us as a negative term. term. You're waving the flag or giving up. But that's not that's, really what it is in the spiritual sense. That's not it at all. I, I, it's You're not giving up. You're giving an acceptance to the universe, God. Or, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, God is a an interesting word with me especially because I believe that God is within all of us. Sure. It's, there's not the little man in the cloud. No deity. Right. So. Um, the Tao. The Tao. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. The Tao and the Chi. You know, it's it's Star Wars. It know? is Star Wars. The, and it's they're two very, very powerful a lot of people don't believe it, but yeah, very powerful. Well, it's what you know. I had Santos Bonacci on the podcast, and he was talking about he was breaking down, he was breaking it down scientifically, and how it's you know it's all electricity, energy. So you know you have the force and you have the source, and the source controls the force. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's the part of acupuncture and the part of of a lot of things. You're you're yep. interrupting. I, I kind of dabble in this this new thing. It's a, called electronic acupuncture. Yeah. And um, I did some studying and got into it. And it's amazing how you can help people mm-hmm. just by interrupting. Yep. The chi. Yep. In the in the place where people have pain, relieve migraine, headaches, do all kinds of things. And it's wonderful to be able to, once you understand that, they don't have to believe it, but you right. just say, give me a second and know where to yeah. to do it. It's it's a great healing tool. Yeah, and, and when we meditate, we're sort of becoming one with that force, that chi, right? Absolutely. And speaking of Star Wars... I was always fascinated with it as a kid and it wasn't because of the fighting scenes it wasn't because of the it wasn't because of the wars there wasn't the love story I was fascinated with the Jedi to see these mystical warriors who meditated and could lift rocks they, I had this gut feeling that it was real and then when I started studying in my 30s I'm like oh it's real. <laughs> I mean, it might be a little exaggerated for Hollywood. Of course. But <laughs> but 
I'm just like, you know, this is Zen masters and Taoist masters and maybe Sufi masters and mystics. Holy cow. Is Yoda Buddha? Exactly. But they say they might have used um, Dogen, the great Zen master, as influence for Yoda, too. Wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that you bring that up because that's kind of around the time the you know the the, the TV show I made might be a little early for you but the TV show Kung Fu mm. and then Star Wars and all of that that stuff was the probably the genesis of I had gotten into it a little earlier in latter 60s but uh that was like ah oh, this is coming mainstream now <laughs> it's getting there it's getting there uh people have the internet now and they can go down whatever rabbit hole they want to go down which is what i did otherwise there's no way we'd be talking about this right now things have to happen in someone's life or to 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 get to usually it's pain usually somebody's trying they find, I'm not going to say enlightenment, but mindfulness or what have you. Sure. Because they're trying to find a, a avenue to relieve pain. Right. And I'm not meaning physical, but mental. just a mental pain. Which we call mental health now. It's right. a thing. Right. And now doctors are using more and more meditation yeah. and holistic medicine because it's been 5,000 years old. Yeah. And what... I myself think it's more was the religious groups poo-pooing all of that mystical stuff Yeah. that uh, now they're finally going, wait, wait, you know, it's, it's it, as a doctor, Yeah. you know, is, is it the medicine or is it the thing that you're giving or is it the fact that you're walking in and going, oh, I'm seeing a doctor. Right. So there's a lot of that. Placebo release. effect placebo effect people want to feel comforted and they want to be heard but you're right mindfulness is coming into the mainstream i was invited to talk about mindfulness at a networking event one you know a few months ago and i also have heard other people with blood pressure issues have their doctor talk to them about mindfulness it's becoming a thing just like yoga became a thing 50, 60 years ago, maybe. Right. So now you got people walking around with their yoga mats. So mindfulness seems to be following yoga into American culture. It's happening now. It's, it, it, it tickles me because this is a term that Gautama the Buddha, I mean, he, from what we know, is the guy who coined it. He was using the term mindfulness in his own language and it was something that he taught right just present moment living and he had to figure that out he did he tried a lot of things a lot of things yeah. in his search yeah very hard suffering six years i think and then it wasn't you know someone teaching him it was that spark of enlightenment mm -hmm. knowing to let go of all that stuff. And he went under the tree. <laughs> he said, I'm not leaving until it happens. And it happened. Right. And I 
I think that he went even further. I think, you know, over over the next five or so years, he. my understanding is that there's levels. Without a doubt. There's and it, and, levels. But that's, that's kind of as you as you grow in that enlightenment mindset yeah um your your beliefs become reality right things it's really a lot mindfulness is really a logical progression right (laughs) so it's it's something that that i think that once realized it's it's again i think a lot of it is about letting go Right. Letting go, putting down your thirty-pound bag of garbage that you carry around with you. Yeah. Once, you yeah, know, you let go of it. It's... And you were telling me off air that you you let go a long time ago. You don't worry too much about money. I, I do not. I, but I also I'm not sitting here worried if I don't have anything in the bank. That means I can't pay things. I don't worry about the bills will get paid. And for 40-something years, 50-something years, I mean, I'm 64, but right. <laughs> for a long as, as long as I can remember, I have not. And I raised four kids. Mm. So um, it, it definitely is a mindset that you have to put yourself in because people can't let go of that, can't let go of the, the security. They feel that they're not secure if they don't have money in their hands. Right. Or in the bank. Sure. Sure. Money, money, financial issues are probably one of the biggest stresses in the world. Maybe next to bad health. It's right up there. Correct. We have a similar background. I used to be in show business. I was on the radio, in the music business. You, uh, you're in the television business for a long time. Long time. It's a pressure-filled world with tons of bad food, a lot of late nights, and a lot of, is my job on the line? Is somebody going to replace me? Things like that. Well, that, that is, that's, a, that's a great point because the insecurity of that business yeah. is quite remarkable in the sense that you're, uh, you're wondering when you're going to get paid. Right. You're wondering if you're, you're waiting for the next phone call, especially in the freelance world. Yeah. Uh, it's not your, oh, I'm reporting to one boss. You're, you've got clients. You have to cater. You have to drive many, 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 many miles. Uh, so it's a very insecure business. Yeah. But once you let go of that, it's fine. You meet some... I've met amazing people, yeah. amazing things, and I contribute a lot of that to what I've learned in mindfulness. Mm. How many people have you met that you could tell right away they were very unbalanced? Uh, quite a few. I used to do what was called press junkets, mm. and so you were working with very high-end, very big movie stars. And you could see people in the business, in this business, you can read people pretty quick because you get such a variety of, of the BS artists. <laughs> so it's, um, 
Fast talkers. You could could definitely. Well, people, they're actors. Right. So they're always on. Right. And uh, in front of the camera and behind the camera. Right. As well. Right. (laughs) So it, it is, it is a, just like, just like you go anywhere. I mean, you're, you're, you're acting. There's an act that you're trying to put forth wherever you go. Right. So, you know, in the in the TV business, film business, whatever you want to call it, um, there's a lot of people who play a part. Right, right. But your your point of of letting go is is so. It's a it's a profound thing that we need to do. I mean, just look at this moment right now. There's somebody talking <laughs> in the hallway, and it's coming right through the mic. I can hear it through my. Okay nothing we can do about it who cares (laughs) and that's i'm glad you said that because that's what you have to do yeah you can't control everything you can't control you don't have you have very little control other than yourself so going back to the original thing you are the only you can only control you so your day is governed by what you think so if you go to work and go this is going to be a long day we all have the same 24 hours. Ever notice how if you're having a good day, the day goes by like, whew. but if you're having a not so great day, the adrenaline's running, it's like the clock's tick, tick. It's the same 24 hours, the same clock speed going. It's just in your head. So if you can learn through meditation to change that attitude, to change the attitude of when you start thinking, oh, I shouldn't be going, this is going to be a long day. It's going to be a good day. Make yourself believe it. Not You don't have to, you can say it all you want to other people. Make yourself believe it. Right on. You make your, that makes your day go by a whole lot easier and actually fun. Yeah. Just, you know, stay in the moment, you know, try not to predict I have, I have a, I, and I try to tell people this too. If you're ever in a situation where you're trying to figure it out, the book, ever read the book Four Agreements? Yes. Okay. Yes. Wonderful book. Sure. But the Four Agreements are a wonderful way to remind yourself. The only thing I added was the fifth one, which is compassion. Mm. So if your first thing you have compassion towards someone else. Mm. It's not all about you. No. Be compassionate. They might be going through a bad day. They might things may be happening with someone else. Be compassionate. Right. Then do the wise words. Yeah. You know, watch what you say. Don't gossip. The four agreements. I like to talk about books a lot on this. But I'm a big reader, so the four agreements was basically a condensed version of the eightfold path. i think everything is pretty much yeah (laughs) and it's just sounds like a major thing going on out there you hear all the sirens on that main road yeah someone (laughs) you know someone's having a bad day you know and right back to compassion it's always mind-blowing to me how much this human being named Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, laid out 
a blueprint like no one else I've ever found in my studies. Like as if he was a, a, a professor at a college who wrote this incredible curriculum. Like here, take this. I'm going to give it to you for 40 years. Right. And everyone coming out with self-help books, everyone doing things like the four agreements or whatever, and myself included with some of my books, it's all based off of Gautama the Buddha. Everything. Right. It's like he's the first self-help guru ever. Well, that's how a lot of people get when you relate to mindfulness, you kind of relate to the Buddhist, Taoist, Zen. These are all little words, little little phrases that that can be used in your own life. Like I say, you have to. It's it's about you, right? You know, so right. And the the first thing in the Eightfold Path is right view. So, for those listening, that basically means no opinions. Exactly. <laughs> Just sort of be indifferent to everything, you know. Somebody came to me, hit, you know, hit me on the uh, Facebook Messenger yesterday, and she was asking me if duality exists. I'm like, oh, that's a, you know, well, yeah, it exists, but you know, we want to transcend it. And, and you know, she asked for an example, and I said, I, I said, what better example than Donald Trump, the president? I said, look, if you like the guy or you hate the guy, you're you're stuck in duality. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's that that's what it is. That's it's such a profound example in this new 2020 culture. It, 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 you're you're a hundred percent on the mark because it's there's a place where. I don't usually talk politics, but uh, there's a place where truth and illusion really, because no matter what side of the fence you're on, yeah. it's all this illusion. All, everyone's creating this smoke and mirrors type of thing. With their mind. It's the perfect way. I mean, the way you can control anyone is from fear in dissent yeah and they've learned i mean that's just the marketing advertising all kinds of different things going back to it's up to you to kind of shut it off don't don't buy the kool-aid don't drink the kool-aid yeah you know because it, it, that's what everyone wants you to do everyone right. wants you not to think for yourself sure follow be in the go in the sheep pen and keep yeah. you know and now with social media everyone has a voice so people more than ever are stuck in duality totally and you find it, it's it's actually scarier now because you get into like-minded situations where that's far more dangerous than having ideas you know more ideas you know you used to come home well at least I did. Hmm. There used to be three channels. You would watch the news. Twenty-four hour news really brought on the, you know, constant. And being in the in the business, you know that there's producers and there's whatever you see or hear on the radio or television, 
is manipulated. Yes. It is not, it yeah. is not just and off the cuff. This is, this is off the cuff, but... Th- and this is coming from a guy on television. Oh, there's nothing that you should ever, ever believe yeah. that someone hasn't, because the second that even it comes out of their mouth, there's someone in their ear That's right. telling them yep. what to say. Yep. You got it. Look at something like Saturday Night Live. It's completely liberal. Always has been. So, you know, there's a lot of outlets that are supporting the right or supporting the left, and they're going to push their talking points. Always. Always. And we are so addicted to television. I had this problem when I was in radio. Some of the music was such garbage and so harmful to the youth. But if it's a hit, it's on every hour. Absolutely. Because the average person only listens to the radio for five or ten minutes. So they have to play the hits every hour. So it's the same song over and over and over. And, the, and your day, it was probably the Beatles. The Beatles. Yeah, and the it, Beatles. It, all of that stuff. It's, it's, it's all... Pro, in, it's why they call it programming. Correct. <laughs> they won't let you just wing it. <laughs> it's right in front of us. It's called programming. Right. And it's worse than ever because you have in your palm of your hand. That's right. Because the thing that you have in the palm of your hand is a slot machine. Yeah, yeah. Every single time you open your phone, it's a win or lose. Mm. Am I getting good news? Am I getting bad news? <laughs> who's on this and who's on that? And right. you're just all you're doing is pulling the lever. And that's why it's addictive. Mm-hmm. People can't put it down. It's a heck of an analogy. If more people just put the phone down and turn the TV off and started a meditation practice, they'd realize it's much more entertaining. <laughs> Or they could come to a place like this where they could yeah. gather together with like-minded and, and very open-minded people. Most healing centers and mindfulness places are open-minded, though people would like to say, oh, well, they're liberal or they're this or they're that. That's the thing is to put down judgment, come to a place like this, mm-hmm. and uh, experience things for yourself. Put your phone down. Yeah. Turn the TV off. Yeah. Spend. There lies the issue is is that spend some time with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know. And people don't even go to the bathroom by themselves any longer. Yeah, they take the phone with them. <laughs> Correct. They take the phone. Which with is them. the worst thing because that used to be the one time that you actually yeah. touched base. You hey, you were a captive audience. <laughs> How long does somebody need to meditate? What's the goal? in length of time for somebody to reach the so-called mountaintop of meditation you know i i dabbled with the transcendental tm stuff and it was 20 minutes twice a day and i'm like 20 minutes twice a day what's that gonna get you uh you know and then i started meeting mystics and gurus and guys that sit there and meditate for 16 hours a day like holy cow, you know that's that's serious. But is that right? Does that make them anything different than someone who spends fifteen minutes, gets a lot out of it, mm. works on themselves, and goes out in the world with the right attitude and a mindful attitude? Mm. 
are the people who spend 16 hours a day doing it because 16 hours a day is a job yeah it's not that's not a practice that's a job that's <laughs> a that's kind of i'm committed i mean are, are the person who's doing that 16 hours a day sure they have lots of time to dwell on many things right but are they any more enlightened than somebody who practices every day does the right thing mm -hmm. does the right food mm -hmm. works on themselves rather than trying to become a guru right a lot of folks that i've met they've put a lot of hours into their meditation practice reached a certain point and then they don't even meditate anymore because they're in such a mindful present moment state that their whole existence is a meditation jay krishnamurti he's one of them yeah. he's one of them and he would say meditate you don't need to <laughs> right um i think it's helpful i think it's it's great for people to connect with themselves it's a, it's a helpful tool we we have many tools to our but we don't use them you know putting down your your past your who cares you know i mean you do because that people define themselves they try to define themselves on their past well well this is what i've done this is what i it means nothing I have done more things. My resume is like crazy. But it doesn't matter. What am I doing now? I'm working in a TV studio and going a few times a week. And that's what I do. And some people say life's about memories. It's it's not. No, it's not. Memories are actually can be destructive. It's very much so, especially if you're holding if you're being defined by who you were not who you are right you know it's like reading a book right so you know you need to put the book down you can't it, it's it, it's the but see that the movie aspect how many times have people sat in a movie and go and they're like they're almost living them they come out of the movie and it's kind of their eyes are dilated and they're into the light now and now they feel like they're the jedi <laughs> <laughs> it's that's not reality so you leave your past behind mm. and be the person, the best person you can be today. Because you can always start from here. Right. That's right. Always start from right here. It's like we're, you draw a line, cross over the line, yeah. and start new. It's like we're reborn every moment. A friend of mine used to say, close your eyes for one second, then open your eyes, and you're a new person. Mm. You reset. Reset. So. And that, that's where that one-minute meditation you mentioned earlier come in. Exactly. You don't need to do 20 minutes. If you can, wonderful. And that's great. And that helps you transcend and get to the mountaintop. Mm -hmm. But if you practice, if I hand, I don't, you make play guitar. I don't know if you play guitar. I don't. If I handed you a guitar and said, play like Jimi Hendrix, you could maybe get there. Mm hmm. Or you could be an okay guitar player, but it would take practice to get there. Mm. It's the same thing with, unless you're you're born into all of a sudden this enlightened moment, 
that mm. you know you figured it out. But meditating for the first time is not easy. And I see it as people promising. That's why I, I, that it's hard about what people promise about meditation to me mm. because there's an expectation once you set to new people and that I think is somewhat unfair. Mm. I think that you need to learn the baby steps and learn to quiet the mind, learn to breathe, learn to quiet the soul mm -hmm. before you start, okay. <laughs> mm. You know. Well, silence is one of the keys to it all. And practicing silence. Yeah. Because a lot of us don't do that. We don't yeah. practice silence. Yeah, start fidgeting. We're, we're afraid to be of silence. Yeah, we're afraid to be alone. We're afraid to be alone. And that should be your best friend. It should be. And again, we're coming back to what we spoke of 20-whatever minutes ago. It all comes back to your deathbed. It always <laughs> comes back to your deathbed. You're right. You're right. That's, meditation is like practicing dying. But by doing that, you're increasing and helping your life. So you're learning how to live by practicing dying. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> if even if somebody was in, let's just say a nasty car crash or something, and they're laying there, what are you gonna do? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm gonna meditate. What else would there be to do? Go within. You, if if your adrenaline is is cranked up, do your best to bring that back down. But you have to know how to get there. Right. Someone who doesn't know how to get there would have much harder time sure and in some ways depending on how you believe in spirits and things like that that may be sometimes the reason that people are still haunting a place and, and being in a place where they were not ready to go that they're just kind of you know mm. trying to i'm here i'm here right so yeah. that's just that that's a theory of yeah but we're we're you know we're gonna die alone even if people are in the room you're gonna die alone the old saying you come in alone you go out alone it's your moment it's your event exactly that's the one thing you actually own you own it i like that yeah I know. yeah you don't remember your birth and they say we're born enlightened and we just get socially engineered, so it's like... Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, it, the old saying of being childlike is, uh, you know, the expert has a lot harder time than somebody who doesn't know something. Yeah. Because you're already making those assumptions. Right. Which is, in the Four Agreements, one of the bad one of the things, don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. <laughs> That's right. You know. That's right. And an Eightfold Path would be... Right speech. Right. And right thinking. Right the thought. other the other thing I like also is, is don't take things personally. Don't take things personally. That's your ego. That's yeah. your ego going. Yeah. Because it's not about you. No. No. You know? It's not about you. It's it's it really is. You take it, take it in. It's hard for some people to be selfless. Very hard. It's like we're greedy by 
programming where we're just we're just you know we can we can be very greedy and competitive right competitive well you're taught you're taught that you're taught to right. moving to the next what do, what do i have? i have to i have to get the great grades i have to get the to move on to move on sure it's all about possession what people define themselves by what they have you know we're here look at you know buddha right the rest of his life didn't have it he he could have had riches beyond belief yeah and the rest of his life he lived as a monk as you know well not not only did he for those that don't know the story he he was born into a a palace a kingdom his dad was king he left found his enlightenment and became arguably the greatest master ever guru whatever you'd like to call him even after that i mean he taught for 40 something years he could have went back to the palace, took his place as king, mm-hmm. and been an enlightened king. But and he didn't travel around just preaching. He, it was answering of questions, and and actually within his death was somebody giving him. He was doing a monk's bringing, taking a daily, and they gave him bad mushrooms, bad truffle mushrooms, and yeah, that's how he. And he forgave the person who gave him the mushrooms. Right. So and the compassion, the... And he died 80 years old. 80 years old. And everyone was sad. He's dying. And one of his best disciples, I I think it might have been uh, Ananda or... Yeah, one of them was like, well, what do I do now? What do you mean, what do you do now? I've already taught you everything. <laughs> it's like, be a light unto yourself. Right. You don't need me. Which is another good thing. We all need to be lights upon ourselves. Yes. It's about you within. Yes. It's not about all the other stuff. Right. Because when it's all gone, it's still just the light within you. Right, right. And again, I talk about death a lot on this podcast. It's a big theme because it's the biggest event of our life. And going back to the Kobe Bryant thing, which is fresh. Mm -hmm. It just happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, At the time of this recording... We're three days removed. He accomplished a lot, made a good impact on a lot of people. In his last moments, did he care that he scored 81 points in a game? Absolutely. I always I tell a story about a bear. There's a man walking in the woods. His wife has just left him. His child, he found out his child had cancer. He found out that he was losing his job. All these things are terribly weighing on this thing, and a huge bear comes out. What's the most important thing? Mm. The bear. Mm. All those things go away. Love. There's another one. When you're in love, everything is... <laughs> you don't care about all the different things. Right, you're floating. You're just floating. Yeah. You know, those are... Those until, are until an argument. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. The person that you marry and you spend a zillion dollars on a wedding and you do all this stuff, it goes away. Yeah. You know, you can, the person that you thought you loved the most is the person that you really dislike the most. Right. Because in most cases, people think they're going to change the other person. We're right back to duality. Correct. Your best friend could be your best enemy. Right. Because... They feel they have the license. Right. So. Right. It's a lack of compassion. Because if it was just, if it was overflowing of compassion, it it would just be, 
There'd be no jealousy. There'd be well, there no... wouldn't be there wouldn't be any divorce because what you would do is is you'd be looking rather than trying to change someone, you would be trying to understand. Right. Right. And that's what we kind of need to do, even to strangers. And most conflict comes from misunderstanding and assumptions. Oh yeah. You've never been angry. Oh yeah. The only time you've ever been angry is because you assumed. The world was supposed, to, or the universe was supposed to work the way you were. You thought it up. <laughs> or if you're in a relationship and you're, oh, you you were at work with that girl, you were probably with that girl, and right, right, right. It's like, really? and that's the the illusion. That's the dream. Yeah. That they're they're dreaming up all of these. Yeah. You know, and it's snowballs. Yeah, yeah, and it, it just it just hits those insecurities and. You know, I like to say life's a joke, and then you laugh. It's it's this big cosmic joke. It, 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 and there's those serious moments, like the Kobe incident. You know what happened to me the other day? This, two days ago. This is this is crazy. I, I I'm washing dishes, and the the dish rack is pretty full. And so I I take a pot and I put it on top, and a long knife about 12 inches long, which I just used to cut up my watermelon because I made, as you can see, watermelon yeah, yeah. juice. <laughs> Here's my watermelon juice. That's 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 quite, it's quite impressive. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's very impressive. So the knife comes flying out and cuts my leg. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm looking down, there's some blood. And I take a moment to have some mindfulness and I say, well, it's either really bad or it's just a nick. I'm not going to know until I really investigate it. But I'm definitely cut (laughs) because there's some blood. So I looked down and, you know, it ended up just being a little cut. Throw some peroxide on it, throw a band-aid. It's fine. It healed in two days. But the knife flew from the the dish rack on the counter (laughs) down to the floor and sliced my leg. And when it happens that fast, is it's yeah. You don't know what happens, right? But all you, all I can do is just giggle at it. That's life. These weird, funny things happen, and it's just this like illusionary joke that just happens. Back to what you're. What were you going to say about Kobe? No. Oh well, the the Kobe thing is. I think that people, because of at least through news reports and such, that he was actually a nice guy. Yes. And that, that just, you know, everybody brings it out that he was a sports, a great sports right. person. Right. But I think the fact that he was, during that time, uh, a nice guy and a good, you know, a good soul, somebody right. who, good worth work ethics, that um, those are felt a little... He was a mentor right. to a lot of the younger athletes, not just basketball, football. Because he cared. He had compassion. Yeah. He was known for calling people. He was also known for curiosity. If he, he w- You know how like you hear stories and you coming from a show business background, you know this. Celebrities will use their celebrity to either get into a club or, <laughs> you know, get get ahead somehow he used his celebrity to get on the phone with people he wanted to ask questions about if he read a book 
like if he read the four agreements, mm-hmm. he'd be like, I want to talk to the author. Right. He'd get on the phone with, you know, Miguel Ruiz and say, so what did you mean by the, he was a curious person who was constantly reaching out to people and interviewing them. It became his legacy for the last five, six, seven years of his life. Right. He was a rabbit holer. He wanted to go down rabbit holes. And uh, I recently found out the other day that he was he was working with um, Deepak Chopra. <laughs> and so I think, you know, maybe he was going to go down the, the spiritual path. Well, I think he had, had already done that. I think I, I knew that he meditated and he was he was very much into the mindfulness um but but again that 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 came out in his compassion to other people right he did think of of people more than himself i didn't know him personally Mm. but uh you know that sadness is felt through the energy the the universe kind of and i think that's why this has been such a i mean of course because of his daughter and things like that it's a very sad thing but there's People who, I mean, there's people dying every day. Famous people. Some We just heard an ambulance, a fire right. truck. Right. Somebody could have just died right, right now down the street. But uh, this resonating as, long, as the way it has, I think, is because he's he touched people in a, right. not just a celebrity way, yes. but in a, in a spiritual way. And from a historical standpoint, you've been around uh, 20-something years more than me. And so I was too young to remember when John Lennon was shot. But it's been brought to my attention that we haven't seen anything like this since John Lennon. Yeah. Because all the celebrities that died in between John Lennon and Kobe, a lot of them had self-destructive patterns. Michael Jackson had a self-destructive pattern. Prince had a self-destructive pattern. Robin Williams committed suicide. Kurt Cobain had a self-destructive pattern. He committed suicide. Tupac and Biggie were involved in the streets. Kobe just died. He just tragically died, and so didn't John Lennon, killed by a stalking, a stalker who just shot him. Clear blue. Do you remember when John Lennon was shot? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I met John Lennon. Really? Actually, in 19... 71 I was working with a band that's how I actually got into the TV business and they were at the record plant in New York City and mm. he came in and offered pizza and of course our mouth dropped <laughs> you know John Lennon but he was just you know that's the thing with celebrities and that's what I've learned over the years working with a lot of different people is is that there's a lot of people there's a lot of jerks but right. there's a lot of really once that whole facade when you're and and that's where i was fortunate to have be part of the crew versus an interviewer or somebody you know having to they're performing before they're kind of like oh you're helping me do my craft type of thing mm-hmm. that there's some real there was some really there's some really good people you right know, and are, john lennon was one of them and john lennon was one of them you know, george harrison was another yeah really good person very spiritual being john. very very spiritual harrison. peter gabriel's a very spiritual person too. okay so when when John Lennon was shot, I remember they announced it on Monday Night Football. Uh, do you remember the outpouring from the media? Oh, it was it was insane. I mean, the, the outpouring of everyone being a Beatle was that 
that was you know a huge thing especially mm. back then right you know the 1980s mm. so yeah it's an outpouring for for kobe bryant and you know i've heard a lot of people say you know this is a wake-up call for them to i i heard a sports announcer the other day live on air say that this has made him contemplate even doing his job anymore he's like i don't even know what i'm doing here he's like i i almost feel like i should quit and spend more time with my family well it's it's waking you know it's knocking on people's mortality this incident right because which is quite true is you don't you stop thinking about that until tragedy does happen with it, whether it's in your family or your life. We're possessed or, by ambition. It's to get, the, the striving to get ahead. I, I say this to, to people sometimes. I'm like, all the things you accumulate in your life, all the stuff you have in your house, all the things that are great possessions to you, probably be sold for a quarter in a tag sale when you're gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're not someone else's, they don't cherish them. Right. It's hard because you become attached to the things that you label as yours. Right. But, you know, it's, uh, you got to let go. Nothing nothing is that important. Your family, friends, yourself. Yeah. Are the important things in your life. Right. You know, you can always start from here. (laughs) You can always start from here. How How do you deal with the thought of your mortality being in your 60s you're a senior exactly exactly (laughs) you don't have this i don't you don't you don't have the spirit of a senior no i don't have and i don't have the worries of uh you know at at my age i kind of worry more of lasting too long more than fear of death Mm. don't want this wonderful life that i've had you don't want the nursing home. I don't. I don't want a nursing home. And then, and you know, I don't. I'm not afraid of death. So it, you, you don't it, want it, to be it, the guy on the news where they're like, he celebrated his 114th. I have no no desire to do that. I've yeah. already lived five lives in a wonderful way at a very high rate of speed. You're content. I'm totally content. If I if this afternoon, God forbid, that I passed away. It's okay. I'm all ready. I'm all. I'm all set. Anytime it happens, it's okay. You know, come and take me. It's good. Mm. You know. I think some a lot of people maybe aren't necessarily frightening at death. It's just what they want to squeeze in before death. It's like you're at the mall, and and the voice comes on the the loudspeaker and says we're closing in 20 minutes and it's like oh no i'm not I'm not even close to done i got to go right. get this and get that and that right 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 people are trying to get stuff done right i i guess i mean i've i've already done and i can only speak for me of course but i you know, i've done so much that I, I i the times and i don't often but the times that i do look back pinch myself to go I can't even believe I was there or I did this or I was you know yeah it's it's crazy I I feel the same way I you know I just turned 40 I was in show business for 16 years you know became a doctor had clients 
doing this cool stuff over here at the bridge. I'm pretty content. And I think that's that's probably the thing I'm looking forward to now because I have a plan or a it's not a plan. I'm I'm studying. I'm a student. I'm a student of life. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a big believer in letting things not trying to you anticipate. Don't, right. So you don't use like the law of attraction or anything like that. No. No. It's so popular. Oh, absolutely. And but doesn't it I remember I I read a book, but it was Wallace Waddle. He's the originator of the of the whole movement. And the secret came from him. Right. And he broke it down on how to do it. Um and I brought it to my mentor who's a who's a, a mystic. And he's like, Well, some of the teachings are similar to what we do, but we don't subscribe to that sort of greediness. Correct. That's and it's funny that you said it that way because it's almost like because once you start, it's it's a karma thing. Mm-hmm. Karma isn't something you add up. If you're a good person, I think the universe and and when I say good person, I mean in your heart, not just in your words and. The, the, you know, trying to, to 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 play to be the actor, but in your heart, if you truly, if you try to be a good person, all those things work. The universe works for you. The parking place opens up. The, this opens up. This money comes to you. The, the universe kind of works for you. It's not if you try to manipulate it. It kind of it'll bite you. It'll kind of go not not so much. Hmm. So I mean, Jesus said we just need our daily bread. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is just your basic necessities, right? A little Again, warmth, that, a little clothes. That's right. It's it's little food, little and water. It, and we get back full circle to you. It's how you interpret your needs. So if you stop saying, I have to, I have to, I have I have to I have to be better than the next person. That's bad karma. Mm-hmm. Don't be Whatever you're going to be, let let things happen. Of course, you want to eat, and you need shelter. Those are the basics. One of the key teachings in that Wallace Waddle book was never be a competitor, be a creator. Right. So don't don't compete. Just create. And once you let go of all those abstract outside influences, right? You'd be surprised how. And like we say, I said before, how powerful you you are. Yeah. You have a lot more power than you think you have. That's right. The less is more attitude is. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite teachings is Lao Tzu from the Tao Te Ching. And it's three words. Simplicity, <laughs> patience, and compassion. Correct. That's all you need. To get by. Simplicity, patience, and compassion. It's like, wow. <laughs> There's a wise man. Yes. Yes, he was a wise man. He didn't take the Buddha approach. They were contemporaries, equals, if you will, in enlightenment, but it, they're just, it was a different style. Right. Buddha was like a physician. He was there to heal you and show you the way. 
Lao Tzu was like a hermit. He didn't want anyone to know about him. Well, he, Lao Tzu, I think, spent most of his life contemplating where Buddha went to find the answer. Lao Tzu, I think, had a realization, probably younger. You know, you don't really pick up on his life till later on, but right. but he 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 spent most of his life at, and never, as the story goes, it was only in the last part when he was ready to leave that he 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 brought this apart about. And he wrote it down. Right. Right. He didn't go out and try to teach anybody anything. He, no. No. This was the cost of him yeah. being able to leave. He had a few disciples, almost, almost kind of like Jesus, had like 10, 12, 30, you know. Buddha had thousands upon thousands. I mean, can you just imagine someone in the modern era right now right. having as many disciples as Gautama the Buddha had? Right. All of that stuff transcends because truth is one of those uh, knives that cut through. Yeah, truth is truth. Right. And it's hard to talk about. Right. <laughs> Just experience it. That's it. All right, this has been a great conversation. Bill, where do where can somebody find you? Come say hello. Well, uh Bill Scammon at Gmail. It's B I L L S C A M M O N at Gmail dot com. Okay. You know, Are you on social media or? I'm not. I again. I that's good. I, I try not to. I'm I'm the kind of guy who, at nighttime when he goes to plug in his phone, still has more than fifty percent. <laughs> All right. Since I'm a book guy, give them. Oh. No, give them one book. Wow. One book. That's real. That's way too hard. <laughs> way too hard you know <laughs> because there's there's so many different things that I'm into there's a great book that I read a little while or listened to a little while ago it's called Real Magic mm. and it kind of gets into the spirituality that it's not just fake it's there's really something there right um, they used to call the spiritual people magicians correct you know, and so it's the it's not the sleight of hand type of thing. It's it's all real mysticism and yep. real healing, and, and and it's it's a it's a great it's a great book to to listen to when you're you know you have the four agreements, you have the power of now, you have all of the the stock. Though I have I, probably early on, I was into the power of now, Eckhart Tolle. Sure, I me too. Some of that. Now, the more I more I've learned, the more you know it's it's repetitive. Of yes, you should be living in the present, but you can't be. If you realize now, you missed it. <laughs> so, it kind of uh, it's great. It's great for anyone who's just wants to start getting into it. Yeah, the power of now is a great beginner's book. And what I realized on my journey is. I mean, that book helped me out. Then I realized he was just teaching Zen. Absolutely. <laughs> you're like, you're, my brain thinking, you're just saying <laughs> words because that's that's really what he's doing. So then I started studying Zen. Yeah. So cut the middleman out. That's Now I'm studying Dogen and 
Bodhidharma, and, right. you know, the, the, the Zen masters that are alive now. And Zen, Zen, Zen became my favorite tradition. Yeah. And it, it is a wonderful, wonderful way of, of putting your time, putting your life into the Zen tradition. Mindfulness. Correct. It's a fast track. It is. It's, you know, there needs to be more places like this. There needs to be more to get the mainstream. And there will. I, I see it arise. You wouldn't see a place like this right. 10 years ago. Right. You know, it, it's becoming. And, of course, it's based upon money, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, there's, I'm not going to say disposable funds, but if you're going to spend your money on anything, enlightenment or... Mm-hmm. Um, good-hearted, good karma people being around is is infectious. I, I actually got accepted into a Zen monastery. Oh, wow. And I was supposed to go. And I had an injury that's, while reading a book. That's the universe telling you something. Yeah, <laughs> I was reading a book, and the right side of my back clenched up, and it came around to my chest, and it popped like a sternum, like uh, costal chondritis. And oh. and so I'm in physical therapy now. I, had, I I didn't go to the monastery. Wow. Yeah. That's very and then And then everything happened with, you know, working here with the partnering with the, the bridge. There's a sign there. There's yeah, a sign. There ha- it's always with me. It always happens. But that's, but that's, way, that's the way. That, that's the way it works. If you listen. Right. If you if if you sit here and say no, I'm supposed to go to the Zen monastery, you're not paying attention right. because it's here's here's where you're most useful. Useful. Right. Here's where you're going. Yes, can you go study Zen? Sure, you can. You can do a lot of, you know, be in awe of a master, or you can become a master right here and help someone who. Looks up to you as a master, right? Well, that that's that's an interesting story I just heard the other day. Is that after Gautama the Buddha reached, you know, sort of his peak, if you will, about you know, six, seven, eight years after he had become enlightened, and he had a following or whatever. He felt the compassion to go back to the palace to address his his wife, who he abandoned. Right. He abandoned, and he went back, and, you know, she noticed he was floating, if you will, and he apologized. And she asked him, supposedly asked him a very important question. She said, couldn't you have done this here? And he said, yeah, I could have, but I didn't know at the time. And she got on her knees, she touched his feet, and became a disciple. Right. And his son did too. That's when you know it's real. When your family gets on their knees Absolutely. and they touch you. That happened, Absolutely. With, happened with Osho as well. Right. Also, was thinking about going to an ashram. I have an ashram I, I go to in New York. Okay. But it's never for more than a week. It's just over the over the border, that, the place are just over the border? Yeah, Ananda Ashram okay, yeah. in Monroe, New York. 
And I was going to go. I was going to go do a work study, you know, simple life. And my mentor, the mystic I told you about, the blue antelope we call him, <laughs> he said, Kevin, don't be so quick to go. I said, yeah, but here it's hard to do this and it's hard to do that. And I don't know if I can get in my meditation and it's kind of loud. And then he's like, that's the challenge you got to overcome. I'm going to give you a story. Do it. Back, I want to say 1970, 71, when I first got into this mm-hmm. whole thing, I went up to Vermont, Toyong Rinpoche. He wrote a lot of books. Anyway, <laughs> he was, he was, he's actually credited into, uh, there's, a, there's a movie called Crazy Wisdom. And I was into the whole Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, and followed him. And I went out to, because I had, when I'd come off the road, I was working with a band, and I was pretty... In the 70s, is little, you know, the whole drug. Sure. So I, I either was going to die or I was going to try to find my way. And so I went on this, the Buddhist path and followed him out to Colorado and such. You're in your early 20s? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, early, very early 20s. And uh, I never forget. And it's what has always guided me. Because I want to, I'm like, okay, I want to be monastery i want to do the whole thing i want to study and i and he said to me i don't know if this will get bleeped or not but he said that's baby shit (laughs) he said you want to be enlightened you want to help people i said of course he said do it in the real world that's where it's hard that's where the true enlightenment comes. Yeah. That's where, rather, you can sit in a monastery, you can be around a lot of people, you can pray, you can meditate, you can do everything all day long. But where the real work comes is when you have to do it day to day in the real world. In the marketplace. Correct. Yep. And that's where your enlightenment, that's where your true learning will come from. Not from yeah. like-minded communities. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's interesting that you, you you brought that up to me that it just snapped and went absolutely my probably only guru was was him mm. and uh he's like don't don't stay around don't go hide away go out and in my life what was I was thrown into egotistical people doing ego job just all the accolades and all the different i've won emmy awards that i never bought the trophy because i because that's the whole deal with an emmy award is you pay 500 and something dollars for a trophy and i'm like what's that gonna do right right i'm not gonna spend 500 dollars to look at what i got right you can't even resell it because you're not famous right so it's just (laughs) you know listening to that practice within the marketplace yeah yeah i i I agree my my guru told me the same and i i was going to go to that monastery for for just a month and use it as a device so i could bring back some new habits some new patterns you know but there was that possibility that i could have went and said i like this this is simple I like meditating and working in the kitchen and 
there's a chance maybe that's what the universe is saying. Don't go because you're going to like it too much. Very much so. And it, it, you still got work to do here. Right. The the people that you help, people with the podcast, people here at the bridge. Mm-hmm. There's there's many people because you touch when you, through truth, you touch a lot of people and that spreads out. And if you could spark one, I mean, what would be a, a better legacy than spreading mindfulness and and happiness. Where did you learn that from? I learned that from Kevin. That's far more impressive, at least to me, mm-hmm. than studying in some mountaintop. Right. Right. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the universe is funny. It, it's a it, funny it, existence it, we got here. Life is funny. It's, you got to laugh at it, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> We're in a school. That, we're all students. Every day is a new, new, new classroom, a new thing, you know. And if you think you figured it out, that's when you better go back to school. So the second you think you figured it out, go back to school. And yeah, one of the most profound statements anyone can make is, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bill. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you very much. If you're looking for my work. Books, seminars, webinars. You can go to the website, drreese.com. That's doctor spelled out. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.